Welcome to Crack the Customer Code, where your hosts, Jeannie and Adam, unlock the secrets to keeping your customers happy and coming back for more. Adam, do you know what I love talking about? Customer experience. <laughs> yes, and micro moments, right? Ah, my, that, that is a thing for you, Jeannie. I love thinking about those small moments along the customer journey that make or break the experience that can add that moment of delight or take it away based on if we think about it or not. And that's why I'm so excited about the conversation that we're going to share today, because Chip Bell talks about this in a way that really, I think, is approachable and practical and really gets people thinking. And he's got a great accent. Uh, yeah, you know, one thing about Chip, and he really thinks differently about a lot of things, and I, in, a, in a good way, and I like that because, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about, you'll see at the beginning of the interview is this idea of, like, value unique service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of the takeaways from that is your point is that with micro moments, right, they don't, they can be micro. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we don't have to, and in, in some cases, it's not a good idea to keep exceeding too far. So we'll, you know, we'll let Chip speak to that more, but it, I think it really does emphasize, um, you know, this idea of the micro. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and when Chip says value unique, it sounds pretty cool too. So <laughs> I, I'm from, you know, Chip and I are from the same neck of the woods. So it all just sounds normal to me. To you, it's like some, <laughs> some exotic accent. But <laughs> that's just how people talk where I'm from, Jeannie. <laughs> well, he's fun to listen to. We oh, had a really amazing. fun conversation. So I think we should jump right in. Let's do it. So Chip Arbell, our friend, is a renowned keynote speaker and the author of several best-selling books, including Take Their Breath Away, Managing Knock Your Socks Off Service, The Nine and a Half Principles of Innovative Service, Sprinkles, Creating Awesome Experiences Through Innovative Service, and Kaleidoscope, Delivering Innovative Service That Sparkles. <laughs> His newest book is Inside Your Customer's Imagination, released in September 2020. Glo Global Gurus ranked him in 2020 for the sixth year in, the row, in a row in the top three keynote speakers in the world on customer service. A little known fact about Chip is that he once opened for the Backstreet Boys. Hey there, Chip, and welcome back to Crack the Customer Code. We're thrilled that you're here with us today. Oh, it's my honor, Jeannie. I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> hey, we are so happy to have you back. You are bringing it back to the Crack the Customer Code. And here's what I want to know, Chip. Why do you refer to customer service as value unique service? Because we're all sort of used to this idea of value added, but you yeah. talk about value unique. Yeah. Okay, good. That's a great place to stay, start, Adam. Um, everybody knows, you know, from time immemorial, you're supposed to exceed the customer's expectations. And most people do, most organizations approach that by what I call value added. That is take what customers expect and add more. Now, what do you think is going to happen to the customer's expectation when you add more? It's probably a good chance they're going to go up. And you keep adding, you keep adding, pretty soon you're going to run out of room. Um, so there's one challenge of it. It's a linear thinking, linear, you know, you're such a great customer of ours, we're going to upgrade you to the fancy floor at the hotel. Well, I probably need to sell that room if I'm running a hotel. And so it has some challenges. It's a generous, it's a good thing, nothing wrong with it. This does have some limitations. Value unique, on the other hand, is taking the customer's experience to a place they didn't anticipate. It's kind of the element of surprise. 
Um, and so my belief is that while there's a limit to generosity, there's no limit to ingenuity. And that is creating unique and unusual and innovative ways to serve the customer. So value unique, the other side to value unique is in order to create that kind of ingenious, innovative experience for the customer, you tend to create a story customers can't wait to tell. And we all know the pinnacle of customer loyalty is not a recommendation with a hat tip to my good friend, Fred Reichel. It's stories. You know, when customers say, well, I'd recommend Acme, that's different than what it, when they hear you say, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And they tell you this great story. And so it's more likely that Val Unique will create that story that creates a likelihood that they turn uh, prospects into customers. I love that. I love that because you're totally right about expectation setting. And the minute you start de over delivering over and over and over again, then, you know, any customer who's been there more than once will walk in and say, do you know who I am? Yes, <laughs> you know, <exactly>. like, <laughs> where's my first class upgrade? <laughs> exactly. And there are times you just can't deliver like that. And there are no, times where no. it shouldn't be expected and all those no. other things. So I think that's a really great way to look at it. And you also hit on something that I think is also really important, which is this idea of storytelling, not just from customer to customer, but really when we, I mean, one of the limitations I see all the time is that customer experience leaders can't really get other leaders involved and they can't really get them to see that this is more than just a nice to have. And so I think storytelling is such a huge part of that and making sure that people can connect to that. So I'm just curious, what are you seeing and how do you get leaders of an organization to care about its customers and this idea of customer experience to begin with? Well, it's a great question. It's sort of like asking, um, how do you get the CEO to care about financial management? Or <laughs> the bottom line, <laughs> it starts with, I think I would hire a CEO who cares about the bottom line. It's part of their job description. And I view it as a smart organization, see it, see in much the same way. We got to hire senior leaders in the C-suite who care about customers, but we always have some who don't, who came up through a different rank. You know, they went to the schools that didn't, didn't have that. But I think the more that we provide one, the kind of uh, understandable metrics that help them link the customer's experience to um, the bottom line. So they see a, a, at least a correlation between the two. But the most important thing, I think, is giving senior leaders uh, an opportunity to come face-to-face -face with customers. Um, you know, do you have boards of customers? Do you invite customers to come to your board of directors and tell their story? How much time do they spend riding along with drivers or spending time in call centers listening to customers and listening to those stories or hearing the front line tell stories? And I think what you, if you look at those organizations that are renowned for great customer service and look at their leaders and say, what if you could follow around these CEOs of famous customer-centric organizations, what are they doing all day? Well, they're putting themselves in the position where they hear the voice of the customer directly and not through a PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. Amen. I literally just wrote about this because I think we have become so obsessed with this idea of watching metrics, yeah, that we we lose sight of this idea of just really connecting on that very personal level and hearing the humanity of those yeah. stories. So yeah, exactly. it's a great point. The voice of the customer is a sound, and you got to yeah. be in a position <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, to, to circle back to your good buddy, Fred Reicheld, I mean, yeah. that's what everybody forgets. The, the first part of NPS is the number. The most important part is the second question is what's the reason for your score? Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. Exactly. And the other side to that, and I, I, I have great respect for Fred and Bain and the work that they did with uh, Net Promoter. But, you know, I work with a, a large bank in Nicaragua. And they were all excited about their MPRs, MPS scores. And I said, well, that's great. You got that. Instead of asking, would you recommend, next time you ask the question, why don't you ask a parallel question, have you recommended? Mm-hmm. And see if there's a difference. Because we all know there's a difference between intention and performance. And at the end of the day, we could care less where they intend to recommend. That's not, that's not the goal. <laughs> right. 100% of our people intend to lose weight. Um, you, you, obviously we want people who actually perform, actually do recommend. And so tracking that is equally important. Exactly. It's why they, uh, without uh, going any further into politics, it's why they poll likely voters because (laughs) they don't don't care about the people who are staying on the couch. No, 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 they don't count. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things we were talking about customer success stories and experience stories and, you know, creating, you know, to your point, the unique value that generates those stories. Uh, there's been a lot of opportunity and there's been a lot of noise in the past year related to the pandemic. So uh-huh. what have you seen that is, you know, what stories have you seen come out of this t- time period? Uh, pandemic tested customer experience success stories, if you will. Well, we hear the phrase all the time, Adam, we're all in this together. Uh, you, if you dissect that and say, well, really, what that sentiment all about? Well, it's really about partnership. It's about trust. And I think when you look at those organizations that sort of undergird their responses to pandemic, pandemic with an element of trust, and I'll give you an example, you see a much uh, different kind of response. My favorite example is um, there's an app. Uh, we have, my wife and I have a second home up, up in the mountains of North Georgia near Helen. And uh, there's an apple orchard up there that has a roadside stand, nice big roadside stand. They sell apples. Well, both the it's a husband and wife that run it, and uh, they both got COVID. So they had their son on his way to work every morning come bring apples out and just put them out and put out a big bucket with a slot in the top that says, take whatever apples you want and put the money in the slot. And they put a sign on the bucket that said, um, if you, uh, we obviously can't make change, uh, but if you, if we owe you anything, just text us, uh, or send us an email and put the sign there and we'll mail you, uh, how much we owe. Well, what I, what I learned from that is they made a lot more money than they're supposed to, meaning people would buy $16 worth of apples and they'd put a $20 bill in there. I mean, after all, they both have COVID and, uh, it, but it was an example to me. Uh, I mean, it was a huge success and nobody, they never did get shorted. Nobody took an apple and didn't pay. And so it may be characteristic of kind of a rural environment, admittedly. I'm just glad nobody took the jar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nobody took the jar, you know, day after day, week after week. So, but to me, it, it's a demonstration of, you know, when you trust your customer, they trust you back. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we look at ways to say, is our response to the pandemic laced in trust? Is it laced in partnership? When, do we really, truly practice we're all in this together as it relates to it? And I think the kind of home style, 
not not store-bought approaches to that, like the example I just used, are much more likely to touch the hearts of people and uh, in, in these times uh, that we're in. So I think it's looking for that kind of a response. I love that example. And there was something here in my town, too, where a local bookstore, Independent, basically said, we were not keeping up very well because, you know, they people couldn't come in their their store, but they were they also really dependent on foot traffic for people who were going to the movies or going to the restaurants or going to the train station all in the little downtown area. And when all of that dried up, they really struggled. And they first said around the holidays, they said, uh, hey, we'll take uh, orders to ship. We'll do this. And they got so overwhelmed. They had to actually be very transparent and say, we love all of this business, but we cannot keep up because it's taking too many resources in order to do the stuff that used to just be at the at the counter. And so by being transparent with their customers about that and being that authentic, their customers set up a GoFundMe. And they ended up getting enough money to kind of survive these next few months in a way that wouldn't have been possible if they just hadn't been authentic and said, hey, here's where we are. We're trying our best. Yeah. You know, and that really struck me for the same reasons you just talked about, where it was about just, you know, kind of saying it like it is and trusting that customers would respect that, would exactly. understand that. Exactly. And I don't even know the bookstore you're talking about. I, would, I think you could add, you know, that move in both cases that both of your examples was only possible because of the trust that had been built up over Absolutely. years leading yes. up to it. Absolutely. Right? There was a, I knew of a bookstore in Alexandria um, that had a little uh, sandwich shop. And I used to, when I used to work a lot in and stayed in Alexandria, Virginia, I would go uh, down to that little sandwich shop that had a little bookstore and the owner had a heart attack and, and uh, couldn't do anything, couldn't run the store. And so the customers did, they ran mm. the store for him. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, uh, they volunteered their time and kept it going. And yeah. um, so I, I think when we reach out in a neighborly kind of way, that's, that's the kind of response that causes people to go, you know, at the end of the day, that's what service is all about. You know, mm-hmm. that's, it is a, it is a village response. Um, and, and we lose so much of that today, particularly with, um, um, e-retail with um, a, a whole reliance on a lot of technology. Sometimes we lose that human touch mm-hmm. that is the soul of service, um, as Lynn Berry wrote about, um, that, that is the true essence of people serving people. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to look back on this this period of time that we've all gone through, which was so challenging, and there have been all these moments that really do kind of lift us all up. And exactly. it's, it's great to put a spotlight on some of those. And, you know, essentially all this trust, all the, I mean, everything we just talked about, that pretty much defines loyalty. That's why people are loyal. So, so is there a way to innovate around customer loyalty? I'm curious what you think about that. I think there is. Um, to me, the whole concept of innovation is the, if the core word is Nova, meaning new. And mm-hmm. um, so uh, my, all of my work now is all focused around how do we create experiences that the customer experiences as new. Um, and, and if you look at what's the core of that, what's underneath all of that, what, what we need to do to create innovative service, part of it is knowing the customer. 
and knowing the customer in a deeper way and demonstrating that we know the customer and therefore find novel ways to serve them. Um, my wife and I drive the same model car where we take our cars to get it repaired, uh, to, to have it serviced. There's a waiting room, and um, they have a profile, and when they know when we're coming, we wait on it. Um, and they know we both like hazelnut coffee. So you can bet the Keurig machine always has a hazelnut <laughs> cake up. <laughs> nice. I mean, that's not hard. That's right. not complicated, but it's making it matter. Um, and I know they know us, we, you know, sometimes she takes her car. Sometimes I take my car. And, um, so when I, you know, many times when I take mine in, you know, they usually get the usual, uh, bottle of water, but they'll lay a flower on the, on the passenger side for me to take home. Wow. See, that's not hard. That's, that's a nice touch. Hard. Yeah. 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 So oh. it's, it, I think that the, we sometimes think innovation has got to be something that Einstein did. Um, mm -hmm. rather than saying, no, it's the little simple, unexpected things. You know, when, mm -hmm. when she traded in her car and got a new car, you know, a week after she had her new car tr turned on the radio and they had programmed in her radio stations from her trade in. Wow. You know, that, not, is yeah. that complicated? Is that hard? No, it's very easy, but look at the impact that can have those mm -hmm. kind of little innovative kind of twists, um, that make a difference. And I think when you see, um, those acted out in fun ways. Um, I, I call them whimsical ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I, a lot of the stuff I'm working on right now is, is the whole anticipatory, uh, world of mm -hmm. innovation. And that is, how do you look ahead in the customer's life's uh, journey and say, this could be a little bit of a hiccup and let's find a fun, fun way to do that. For example, my wife and I, not long, not that long ago, stayed at a Hampton Inn and, and, you know, if you both drink your coffee the same way, you're going to ultimately run into that, is this one mine or yours? Mm -hmm. And so what they've done is they've put, they've, of course, you get two plastic, you know, the paper cups and a machine that makes your coffee in your hotel room. But they've got a, um, lipstick uh, lips on one of them and a mustache on the other. <laughs> Love and, it. Uh, you don't have to think. Yeah. You know? Well, they could have done it pink and blue, but but right. but it was something kind of whimsical mm -hmm. when you add, uh, like somebody kissed the side of it, and the other one has a mustache, <laughs> and it's thinking like that. I they thought got, I, I thought we'd already solved that, Chip. It's yours, honey. Whichever one, <laughs> <laughs> whichever one is yours. Both of them are yours. So, uh, at any rate, but to me, that's the that's the uh, mm -hmm. the force of innovation is knowing the customer, understanding them. Uh, in an intimate way and saying, what are the little simple things we can do to kind of surprise yeah. them? And yeah, you're, well, you're speaking my language for sure. And, you know, one of the things we're doing on the podcast now is we want to summarize or provide a little boost here for all those people. We talk about these big ideas and these big action plans and things like that. If you had to put a phrase or a piece of advice about customer experience on a bumper sticker, what would that be? Uh, weirdness explained, ask your front line. Weirdness explained, ask your front line. Yeah, I know the answer. <laughs> 
That's I work with senior executives say, well, that's weird. Why did yeah. you, <laughs> you want weirdness explained? Talk to your front line. That's fantastic. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a great way to summarize. I should you'd have a good one. They what know. A... They're geniuses. <laughs> that's fantastic. And so if people want to reach out to you, what are some of the ways that they can find you? Well, I've got a website. It's easy to remember. Chipbell.com. It's one, it's one I can remember. <laughs> or they can email me, chip at chipbell.com. Or they, Perfect. You know, or they can call me or write me my address and phone number or on my email. I, I'm not one of these people that you got to fill out a form and send it in before you get a, information to access somebody. I, I never have understood that. <laughs> uh, so it's all there. It's you mean, all you there. mean my three layers of federal background check is not? Yeah, no, no. It's like you know, people say, "Well, you're gonna get inundated with uh, with uh, with uh, junk and spam." I go, "I don't care. Okay <laughs> 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 with me." And I hadn't. And I hadn't. Nice. Well, awesome. excellent. Thank you so much for being here, Chip. This oh, was a pleasure. delight. This was fun. Uh, I appreciate it as always, Chip. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Have a great day, GD. Who is going to explain the weirdness of this podcast? <laughs> the front line. <laughs> the front line. That's us. It's, uh, oh, wait. C- CEO and front line. I don't know. Yeah. Isn't that great? I loved the way he summarized that because it's true. If you know, And that's what we do hear from leaders. We hear them say, well, that's weird. And then they kind of look around like the leaders should know why. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Like I've never heard it explained that way, which I love. I just love the phraseology. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, of course. I mean, that idea, like you just, you know, we, we talk about that a lot. And you know, it's one of the things I do with training is like I talk to the front lines, like when I'm mm-hmm. doing a training, like because I like no offense, but they don't see it the same way you do. Right. right now, I've just been talking to you, client. Mm-hmm. Um, now I need to talk to your team. Yep. Right. It's and, so important. Yeah, because you just, you can't, they just, you have a different lens. And, you know, if you are in leadership, which you know most of the people listening to this podcast are, you've got to always remember that, you know, the, the experience and the employee experience as well, not just the customer experience, all look different in a different chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the, I mean, the interactions are different. And so... That's why the lens is different, you know. If, if I mean, there are so many leaders who have not talked to a customer, maybe ever, and so connecting with people who are interacting on a daily basis who really understand them, it can be so full of value and so full of meaning um, for the entire customer experience. So I thought Chip did a really nice job, kind of highlighting those things that are so practical. So I hope everybody who was listening today got a bunch of practical takeaways because it felt like we were packing them in to this episode. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Jeannie. We know. Well, you know what else we pack in, Jeannie? I'll, I'll do the segue today. <laughs> Listeners, our audience, we do, and you know we so appreciate them, don't we, Adam? We do, Jeannie. So thank you, listener, and anybody else who happens to be listening (laughs) for being here with us on Crack the Customer Code. Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Be sure to check out all the great business content at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can join my Year of CX program completely for free at yearofcx.com and find me at experienceinvestigators.com. 
And I'm Adam Pork, and you can learn more about our customer service workshops and training, our virtual training, and my book, Be Your Customer's Hero, at CustomersThatStick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.